This uh, part of the psalm deals with, uh, in part with our relationship with our brethren, which will be the uh, theme for the sermon. Preserve me, O God, for I take refuge in thee. I said to the Lord, Thou art my Lord, I have no good besides thee. As for the saints who are in the earth, they are the majestic ones in whom is all my delight. Would you also turn, please, to Romans 12 and our text, which is Romans 12, verses 9 to 13. Romans 12 from verse 9. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honour. Not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practising hospitality. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we listen to your word, would you grant that we would be honest with ourselves, that we would, with your help, set aside the excuses that we easily resort to and have your word really sink into us and do its sanctifying work with the aid of your Holy Spirit. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Covenant people of God, in the uh, Lord's Supper service, and we'll read the form uh, a little bit later in the service, the form cites 1 Corinthians 10 verse 17 which says that in the Lord's Supper there is a sign and seal of our unity in Christ. It implies that by citing that verse, which says that we are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. The form says uh, those words uh, to indicate that we are united in one body in brotherly love, that that's illustrated by means of what we're doing when we sit at the Lord's table, sharing the bread around the, uh, the one loaf, so to speak. And that is a truth that we confess about the Lord's Supper, but in sitting around the table together, we demonstrate that truth that we confess as well. Or do we? Could it be for some, perhaps, that it is just an act, concealing an inner lack of love, perhaps for some brothers and sisters, even in our own congregation? Any time we turn any aspect of the Lord's Supper and what it signifies into a mere ritual, an empty ritual, we are at that point actually profaning the table. If you really want to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, as 1 Corinthians 12 verse 1, sorry, Romans 12 verse 1 says, which can only be done in and through union with the Lord Jesus Christ, then love of our brothers and sisters 
needs to be a reality in our lives. And it needs to be something that is without hypocrisy. The, uh, the world can have Valentine's Day. And uh, all of the hypocrisy that comes in a non-Christian view of an approach to what they call love. But we're talking about here uh, something that is spiritual, that comes by the work of the Holy Spirit, through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, and which is a, and ought to be a continual reality for God's people. Two points as we look at that. First of all, the nature of brotherly love, and secondly, the practice of brotherly love. It's nature and it's practice. And I would expect that in the first place that most of us here have heard about the three main different words for love, the three different types of love that you find, especially through the, uh, the original language in the New Testament, that there is one type, one word, that or word group that refers to uh, a relationship that arises from what we could call a common interest friendship. And that's a word that's often associated with brotherly love in the scripture. And then you have another type of relationship that arises from appreciating what others can do for you. And then you have that, that highest form, the agape love, which is the attitude that seeks the welfare of others in a self-sacrificial way and which does not depend on the other person being your friend in the, way, in the sense that you like them. It does not depend on how they've behaved. And uh, it, for that reason, can even be directed toward an enemy. Though, of course, as far as God is concerned, what we're talking about here in congregational life is not dealing with enemies. It shouldn't be, shouldn't be that way, but with brethren. The third type, the agape love, that is the term that's used in our text in verse 9, um, though that one of that, the other words, the more general word for the common interest brotherly type relationship, that is also in our text. In fact, it's used three times in verses 10 and 13, uh, built into other words, even the word hospitality itself has that word built into it, the, uh, the, the kind of brotherly love for strangers, that's hospitality. Now because this love is for the welfare of others, it must be applied according to the principles of God's word. Uh, it has to be because if agape love is acting for the welfare of another person, you cannot possibly act for the welfare of another person if you're not acting biblically and if you're not helping them to act biblically. So you have to understand God's word in order to truly act for the welfare of another person. You have to be committed to it for yourself. And that's one of the reasons I would suggest why the Apostle reminds the reader to abhor what is evil and cling to what is good because if you do not hate sin and love what is good and what is in God so that you want to cling to that with your whole person, if that does not describe you, then how are you going to be able to act for the welfare of another person when you can't even act for your own welfare? You don't know what welfare is. If you want to help and encourage your brother to do evil, or if you want to condone your brother's evil, so you stand back and say, not my business, let him do what he likes, not my business, you want to condone it, 
or you want to treat him badly and wrongly yourself, that is not love, it is not for his welfare, it is for harm, and in that sense it is actually hatred. We also need to distinguish between actions and motives because it is possible to do or to give good things to other people but to do it from an evil motive. For example, it would be possible to uh, help in some material way to uh, help someone else in the church in order to lull them into a false sense of security before you pull the rug out from under their feet. That would be one way of having an evil motive but giving things that are good in themselves. Or perhaps more commonly, uh, doing it to impress other people in the church. Wrong motive, but something that involves good gifts perhaps. In order to have the right motive for welfare, love of brethren must be driven by love of God. And what is closely associated to that with that gratitude to God, uh, gratitude for what we have in the Lord Jesus Christ, gratitude for what he has done. And also gratitude, one of the things he has done is to forge that very bond of unity that we're talking about. It is in Christ and if you are grateful for what Christ has done, then you ought to be grateful for the fact that he has made everybody here your brother and your sister and act accordingly. Hence this little phrase at the end of verse 11, serving the Lord, such an important small word but such an important word in this whole passage serving the Lord, because agape love is an attitude that seeks the welfare of others for the Lord's sake out of our service to the Lord in a self-sacrificing way. And you can look at it from this angle too, that uh, Lord's Day 33, question 91, says this about all good works. It defines a good work as only that which arises from true faith conforms to God's law and is done for his glory. Serving the Lord defines a good work. If you want your, the way you treat others to be good, then it has to be out of serving God. Since love, seeking the welfare of brethren, is done out of service to the Lord, we would expect it to be moulded by all of the fruits of the Holy Spirit along with that love, which is itself a fruit, to be uh, moulded by the joy and the peace of salvation, of uh, patience, of kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, the fruits of the Spirit that are talked about in Galatians. But Galatians does not give us a full list and neither does our passage. But nevertheless, the Apostle mentions some of these things here because the Holy Spirit, the one who moves us to love our brethren out of love for the Lord, also brings with that not just one fruit but the whole package to God's people. And so in our text, we find that this love is accompanied by, it is a love with zeal, diligence, joy, hope and perseverance because those are graces that characterize our, relation, our own relationship with the Lord and our service to him, and they are part of the work that the Holy Spirit does in all of God's people. There's also something very 
significant, I believe, in the language that's used here in verse 11, where you have this word diligence, which means zeal. So we have uh, love that's pursued with zeal, and it is zeal that is zeal in being devoted to one another. And that word devoted means loving warmly. And it's coupled also with this term fervent in the spirit, which means burning in the spirit. So we have a combination of two heat words here. Warmly loving and burning in the spirit. And so what we are talking about here in this passage is not some false claim of love. Oh yeah, sure, I love my brethren. All of them. Yeah, I love the whole congregation. And we sit together at the Lord's table and we express our unity. It is not a false claim of those things. It is not some grudging concession. Well, I have to love this person, so I suppose I better. It's not a grudging concession. But it is something that is to be warm, even burning in its zeal. What percentage of the congregation would you say you regard and treat in this way? With zealous, burning zeal and warm love. And what percentage would you say you'd put more in the tepid category? And is there perhaps a percentage that you'd put in the ice cold category? If there's even one person in the wrong category, then we are actually introducing an element of love with hypocrisy but I hasten to add to that that this is exactly the reason why we need the grace of God in Christ so much and I say it not to deter people who should be at the table from coming I say it just to remind us of the grace that we need from God in order to sit at the Lord's table and just how much we need that grace at every point in our lives the Lord's Supper is not for those who are perfect. The Lord's Supper is not for those who have perfect relationships because I don't believe there's a single person here or anywhere in this fallen world. There's no one with perfect relationships either with God or man from our side. The Lord's Supper is for those who confess those imperfections, imperfections in their love, both of God and of their neighbour and of their brothers and sisters who confess the sin that remains in their hearts and in their relationships, but they are the ones who hate that fact and therefore they are looking to the Lord Jesus for forgiveness of those very sins and demonstrating that they are sincere in that fight against those things or, or are sincere in that, that desire for forgiveness by fighting that sin in order to love better. It is, of course, all very well to speak of an inner attitude uh, in these very general terms. It's always safer, from one point of view, to uh, speak about what we ought to be doing in very, very general terms. But I think we know that we are quite capable of kidding ourselves into believing that we are fine. It's not that I hate brother so-and-so, it's just that I don't like him. Well, the proof of the pudding is in the eating. A right agape attitude will show itself in words and deeds that are for welfare. And the text gives us four areas where that comes to play, into play. Four indicators, if you like, seen in words and deeds, indicators of the attitude. 
The first one is giving preference to one another in honour, verse 10. That means showing humility before our brethren rather than self-assertiveness. It means putting your brother first rather than putting yourself first. It means being harder on yourself on your own motives before you attribute the worst motives to your brother with evil suspicion. And we could think in that connection with Philippians 2 verse 4, regard one another as more important than yourselves. The second indicator is being devoted to prayer for brothers and sisters. And this is not just for the folk you get on well with, it's not just for the folk that you hang out with, the ones that you like, but also the ones that it's harder to pray for. Praying for their welfare. And not just praying on occasion, as uh, perhaps we're inclined to do, that we pray for one another when something comes up. A crisis in the life of another person. A health issue. We've had a lot of those lately. Uh, But it's not just a matter of praying for a person's welfare when there's a crisis. The more you pray and the more regularly you pray, and this includes the people you struggle to relate to, the more that you pray for those you struggle to relate to, the more you will likely find yourself reminded that you actually are related to them in the Lord Jesus Christ and that is why you must pray for them regularly rather than ignoring them. The word that's used in verse 11 for devoted, being devoted to prayer, in this case, this word, means steadfastly continuing in it. third indicator is contributing to their needs and again this is not just a matter of helping those that we like uh, helping those to whom we feel close uh, helping those who are members of our own family relatives but also those that we struggle to appreciate we are after all family in Christ where we read in verse 10 being devoted in brotherly love you could translate this brotherly loving warmly in brotherly love, reminding us that we are actually dealing here with brothers and sisters. We are actually talking about family. And that's why we refer to each other as brothers or sisters or brethren, a term that can so easily and glibly fall off our tongues without pausing to think what it actually means, that in Christ we are family. And we ought to have the same regard and offer the same help and the same support and gather round when there is a need and pray the rest of the time anyway for each other because we are family, Christian family. And not to do this, not to offer this support contributing to the needs only in an impersonal way through the deacons using your tithes to help those who may feel need it on behalf of the church. But in addition to that, personally helping when you become become aware of a legitimate need and you are in a position to help. The last indicator is perhaps a very closely related to that um, contributing to needs and helping, but uh, and that is the issue of uh, practising hospitality, a, a word that has that common interest friendship that characterises brotherly love built into it. And it is something that this matter of hospitality, it is something that receives quite a lot of attention in the scripture. 
You find it, for example, as a criterion for office in 1 Timothy 3 verse 2 and Titus 1 verse 8. But it is also a command that is given to all of God's people, 1 Peter 4 verses 8 and 9, and implied in our text as a command. And again, as we've seen, not just showing hospitality to those we get on well with and with our peer group and those with similar interests, but invite also the ones that you tend to bypass. Perhaps the ones you bypass because you feel you don't have very much in common. Well, we've already seen we have so much in common in the Lord Jesus Christ that we sometimes feel that we don't. And the ones with whom we don't really enjoy their company and the ones whom perhaps we even actively dislike. And I know it's very, very easy to make excuses. I'm too tired. I can't afford it. I'm a private person. My house isn't tidy. I'm not in the mood and so on and so forth. Well, how do you think the Lord will look at our justifications? If we habitually ignore that which is a command from him, but not only a command, but one that is grounded in a relationship that has been established by the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ at such great cost, that brotherly relationship, and which, as we see here, is closely connected to and is an expression of our love of God. When married people show hospitality to singles and singles show hospitality to married, and old to young, and young to old. And uh, various other groups, no doubt, we could think of uh, there, uh, those who have children, those who don't have children, married, singles, and so on. When all of those different groups overcome the feeling that this is outside my comfort zone, it actually helps to break down a barrier that in Christ doesn't even actually exist because those things don't matter when it comes to our relationship with the Lord Jesus, those different kinds of distinctions. And this has been historically a strength in our churches, that hospitality across those barriers. But it is a custom that needs to be maintained. Because if it should be, for example, that the younger people are quite happy to show hospitality and invite their friends and people that they have something in common with but feel they don't have much in common with the older members or vice versa, then those kind of things, practices, can quickly fade in a generation even. When we do these things across the divides and across those kinds of barriers, then it benefits congregational life and the benefit to congregational life is so great. But even more importantly than that, by doing such things, we express the unity that we have in Christ and we give a good witness to him. And we demonstrate also then that unity that we claim that we have in the Lord's Supper and of which the Lord's Supper is a sign and seal in part. And then we show love with perhaps a little less hypocrisy than with our sinful natures we might otherwise be inclined to maintain. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, would you help us to love our brethren out of love for you? 
out of the recognition that the Lord Jesus paid a great price to forge this bond, this unity that we have in him. Will you teach us also, Father, how to demonstrate this love in tangible ways, by help and prayer and hospitality and by putting others ahead of ourselves, so that as we celebrate the supper, we can do so without blatant hypocrisy, but uh, though we do admit, Father, that there will always be sin in us as we come to the table, we pray that you would forgive us our sins and help us to struggle against them. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.